Currently, there are 15,406 radio stations in this country. I don't know current numbers, but in 2016, there were 1,780 television stations. 55% of Americans watch between one and four hours of TV every single day. 22% of Americans watch four plus hours a day of television. So about one in five, one in four. Currently, there are five, more than five million reoccurring podcasts. Anybody know what podcasts are? You guys know what podcasts are? Okay. They don't, just, but, but I'm cool, we do. Five million plus podcasts with over 70 million available episodes of those podcasts. 70 million podcasts that you can listen to on just about any possible topic. In 2021, book sales, remember those? You had book sales? Listen to this. In the United States, how many books do you think were sold? Well, don't answer, I'll just tell you. In 2021, 825 million books were sold in this country. Not published, bought, purchased, online, digital, hard copy, 825 million books. The average time spent last year in 2022 online, the average time that we as Americans spent online was six hours and 45 minutes. Yes, we do it for work. Yes, we do it for all kinds of things. But the average American spent almost seven hours a day online. The average time on our phones, because a lot of our online time is on our phones. You already know where this is going, don't you? <laughs> I can see, man, there's guilt, man, all across this room. Three hours and 15 minutes a day is the average. Three hours and 50 is the average. The average is we check our phones 58 times a day. I don't say hello or I love you to my wife 58 times a day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The American Bible Study, Bible Society did a study in 2021. They found that 50% of Americans, just Americans, they polled people, church attenders, non, 50% of Americans read the Bible three to four times a year. In 2022, they did the study again, and it had dropped to 39% of Americans read the Bible multiple times a year, three to four times a year. They found that 13 million of the most engaged Bible readers, people that describe themselves as regular Bible readers and engaging the Bible and that it had an impact in their lives, 13 million of those engaged Bible readers were reading God's Word less in the midst of or on the tail end of the pandemic it is it is sad it's a little it's a little overwhelming in one in one sense and in another sense it's kind of dis, disconnected because it's just a bunch of numbers but let me make it real for us because I know this is where we live there are so many voices that are competing for our attention maybe unprecedented in human existence that there are so many voices there there is so there are, excuse me, Sharon, there are so many, she's my editor, there are so many distractions that it's impossible to ignore them. You know, we make jokes about squirrel, you know, but think about your experience, whether it's talking with your spouse or with one of your kids, or you're listening to a coworker or talking with your boss, or you're doing a task, or you're in, in line, at, wherever it is, wherever we, we are constantly bombarded with distractions. 
everywhere we turn, no matter what the setting is. And, and for me, I thought, it, there's so much noise. This is just how I think. There's so much noise going on that it's almost impossible to find quiet. And I mean quiet. Think about that. Where can I go on a regular basis in my routine, in my day, in my life, where I can truly find quiet and I can hear from God and I can interact with him? Now, for me, the early morning is the best time. But, but guess what's with me present in when I get up and it's dark and my, my dog Etta comes and lays next to me and I got my cup of coffee and I'm just, okay, God, here's some time for you. Guess what I have with me? My phone, usually, right? And I open up my Bible app and I, but right there's that little thing that says mail. You've got, well, it doesn't say you've got mail, but you know, you know, I got Google and I got Yahoo saying you got mail. And then I got Messenger and I got this thing called Marco Polo that my family shares videos with. And all of a sudden, I'm, you know, 20 minutes later, oh, I got to go get ready to start the day. I didn't really experience quiet, did I? Because I invited all these voices. There's so many voices competing for our attention. There's so many opportunities, so many distractions that we have to ask ourselves, and I said at the beginning this morning, you're here to worship Jesus or maybe not. If you're here to worship Jesus, we have to ask ourselves this question. What am I listening to? Who am I listening to? Am I listening to Jesus? If you're here this morning and you say, well, I'm not ready yet to worship Jesus. I'm here. Somebody invited me. I just checked this out. Maybe your first time in a long time in church. Maybe you're returning to church. Maybe you don't know why you're here. You're here. I want to challenge all of us, including those that fit in that, that description, that we have to ask ourselves, what are we listening to? If we're followers of Jesus, we know the right answer, right? But it's a challenge. If you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're not his disciple, I hope you're asking that question genuinely. Who should I be listening to? What should be filling my thoughts and who has my ear and who has my, my eyes? Are you tracking with me? Anybody else have this struggle? Who should we listen to? We start a new series this morning called Listen Up, Church. We're going to take the first three chapters of Revelation. And then we're going to stop there on Sunday mornings, but we are going to come back to it, aren't we? That wasn't very committal. Yeah, I know. We need, we need Master Pat to be a little more committal. It is our desire to, to unpack the rest of it. But we, we're, going to, we're going to look at these first three chapters where God lays out who this message, this revelation is for. Do you know what the word revelation means? It comes from a Greek word, apocalypto, apocalypsis, and it just means to reveal something that hasn't been revealed before, uncovering something. When I tell my wife I love her, it should not be revelation, right? Right, ladies? Come on now. But now do I, does that mean I don't have to say it anymore? I told her I loved her when we got married, and if it ever changes, I'll let her know. Is that okay? No, it's not. Both sides of that coin. But it shouldn't be revelation, right? It, the first time I told her I loved her, the first time she told me that she loved me, was that revelation? Yeah. Oh my goodness, did it, was it revelation? Did it have an impact on me? Yeah, yeah the whole, oh, okay, you know, this is, this is happening, this is real. Revelation, this word and the revelation that we have in our Bible, the last book in our, in our, in our New Testament, in, our, in the scriptures, is simply this message from God, this revelation 
this unveiling of something that God wants us to know. And in the first three chapters, he talks about who the messenger is. We'll unpack that a little bit. And then he talks about who it's for. We'll look at that next, next week. And then he's going to give a letter. He's going to send a message to seven churches of that, of that day. So listen up, church. God has a message. And the expectation before we go any further, I'll say the obvious. The expectation on God's part is that we're listening to what he has to say. When you and I came in this morning, and whatever our day, whatever our week looked like, there's so many variables, and and we we have all these different um, scenarios that that is our experience leading up to this morning, but we have something in common, every single one of us. As a, as a disciple, a follower of Jesus, as a seeker that's seeking questions and answers to questions, someone who is here and doesn't want to be here and is, and is questioning who you are and if there's a God, it doesn't matter. I mean, it matters, but it doesn't. We all have the, sa- the same common moment, and that is God is speaking to us, and he expects us to listen to him. When I was a parent of young kids, I had this thing that I did, I don't know where I picked it up because I was a terrible parent when I was, I mean, I was floundering. God gave me four daughters. What was he thinking? I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm trying to parent, and I had this thing. I was trying anything. And one particular child, she's not here, but she might be listening. Um, this, she's the one that I learned this to do this. I would take her face in my hands and, and say, now you look at me when I'm talking to you. Anybody else do that? Okay. Okay, two of us, good. <laughs> because I wanted... I, I needed to know that she was listening. What I was about to say was important, and I wanted her to listen. And all, you know, I can't climb into her brain and, and read what she's thinking, but I can make her look at me, and boy, she got good at her eyes were over there and over here and down, you know, everywhere. But no, 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 look at me. Listen to me. Look at me. I really, my heart is for you, and I love you, and I want you to hear what I'm about to say. That's all wrapped up in the word Revelation. God's saying, here, I want to unpack something. I want to reveal something to, for you, to you. There's something I want you to know. It's really important. And so listen up. So my question this morning as we start this series is, are you listening? Yes. Are you listening? Now, before you respond out loud, thank you, but this is something that you and I have to answer, because what, what, I can say that, yeah. Of course I am. And I know I'm good at this. Ask my wife. Anybody read the newsletter on Friday? Okay. That's me. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. During the game yesterday. Oh, yeah, I was listening. Man, I was listening. And I wrote in the newsletter that she does this thing where she just has this look that scares me. And she says, are you listening? Because she's already said it once or twice. Oh, you're shaking your head. Just a lot of wives were shaking their heads. Blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm listening, uh-huh. And then I look at her, and she has that. Oh, she's getting up. Are you coming up here? Okay, good. Are you listening now? Because the expectation is that I would value what she's, what she's saying, that I would give it full attention. Are you, are you with me? Yes. Guys, are you listening? Yes. Okay. All of us should be listening when God says, Revelation. Revelation. I want to show you something. I want to tell you something that is for you, something that you need to know. And so this book that we call Revelation, look how it begins. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Now don't stop there. 
the revelation, the apocalypsis, the uncovering, the revelation of Jesus Christ that God the Father gave to him to show his slaves. What, yes, literally means someone devoted to somebody else. Gave him to show his slaves what must quickly, not quickly, timeline. It's really maybe better understood suddenly. It's going to happen. We have, we have warning signs, right? We have information, to, but he says these things are going to happen, and, and you are going to be caught off guard, and people are not going to be prepared. It's going to happen suddenly. So this revelation is from Jesus Christ that the Father gave him to show his servants, his slaves, his disciples, his followers, but what must suddenly take place. And he sent it, and he signified it. He made it clear is what that word means. There's no confusion. He sent it, he made it clear through his angel to his slave John. John being the human author of Revelation, the Apostle John. Remember him? Who then testified. John testified. He literally gave witness, martyreo. He gave witness to God's word, the message that he received, and to the testimony about Jesus Christ in all that he saw. Now pause with me. If you haven't read 1 John recently, go back and read 1 John. Because you'll hear the Apostle John saying, I was with him, I saw him, I lived with him, I ministered with him, and I'm just telling you what he gave me. Now in this moment in his life, he is on an island called Patmos. He's been banished. He'll tell us why in just a minute in verse 9. But he's been banished there, and this message comes to him. A message that is in the heart of the Father, given to Jesus to then give to an angel that came to John and said, here is the revelation. Here is the message that I want people to know. And John, being a man who walked with Jesus on this earth, it confirmed, it reaffirmed everything he knew to be true about Jesus and the teaching of Jesus. And he testifies to it, he confirms it, all that he saw. And then here is John's initial summary, if you will, of what he just described. He said, okay, there's a message. Here's how we got it. Here's who it's from. This is how I got it. But before we go any further, listen to what he says. The one who reads this message is blessed. The one, those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep, obey what is written in it are blessed because the time is near. There's an urgency to this. So here's what I, I want to ask you to do with me this morning. I want us to consider the why, the who, and the what of this message, of this revelation. And so let's consider briefly the why. Why did God give us this revelation? Why is this so important to God that we have this message? Good answer. Let me unpack it a little bit because he tells us. Listen to the, let me go back to this chain of command, if you will, and I want you to feel the magnitude of what happens. It tells us, John says, it's a message from the Father given to Jesus Christ who gives it to his angel, who gives it to his slave John so that we would have it. So I ask myself, unpacking the why. Why do we have this message? Why is it so important? I start by saying, well, how did we get the message? Where's it, where's it coming from? You, you with me? If my wife tells me, how do I, let me pick something that won't get me in trouble. Okay, I'll, I'll be safe. If my wife says I love you, there's some weight behind that. 
There, there is. There's, there's significant ways because of who it is that's saying it to me. Now, guys, don't be offended, but sometimes the guy will go, hey, I love you, man. I love you, man. Michael, I love you, man. And that's important, but there's not the weight behind it. There's not the impact. Sorry, brother. I, okay, good. So we're good. When my wife says, I love you, or let me give you another example. My three-year-old grandson says, I love you, Papa. There's this, there's this innocence. There's this sincerity. There's, there's no junk, right? There's no, there's no ulterior motive. There's no trying to... Now, when he says it right before he wants a present, then I, I get it. But when he just randomly, without provocation, just goes, Papa, I love you, it stops me in my tracks. It's like, whoa, okay, that's significant. And when we look at who is saying this, who it is, this chain of command, that it's the heart of the Father who says, I want creation to have this message. So Jesus, Son, your, your bride, the church needs to have this. And so the angel, he speaks to the angel who's involved. We're not told who it is. Do we have precedent for God sending messages through angels? We do, don't we? Daniel, big one. Mary, Joe, we just saw it at Christmas. But God, Jesus, you know, gives, issues a command and says, hey, go speak to my guy that's in banishment on the island of Patmos. I have a message that I want him to write because I want people to know it. And when I unpack that and I say, okay, why this message? That's where I land and I realize I need to be listening to this. And I want to challenge us. Because in a, in a, in a context where there's so many voices and in an in a atmosphere where everybody has an equal voice or has the opportunity, social media, right? Everybody gets an opinion. Everybody gets to speak into whatever, you, right? Isn't that what's happening? How do you distinguish the voices that we should listen to and ignore? Who are the ones that, what voices should we give more weight to? I suggest that we as followers of Jesus, or if you're seeking or considering following Jesus, that the one that I should be listening to is the, the message that came from the Father to the Son, to this angel, to his chosen slave, John, to write it so that I would have it. Am I beating this to death? Are you tracking with me? Is it warm in here? Thank you, okay. Thought it was just me. Maybe deacons, maybe we could check and... <laughs> Keep your coat on, brother. Who's it for? Why do we have this message? Well, we've already touched on that. It's for us. You know, I, I thought of something this week that is uh, an attribute of God that we don't talk a lot about. We talk about him being eternal. We have these, these theologic words, omnipotent, omni, 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 right? Omnipotent, omniscient, he's everywhere, he's all-powerful, he's holy, he's just, he's righteous, he's loving. Those are really important. But what we, and he's merciful. But what we don't often talk about is that he's immutable. Do we even know what that word means? It means he doesn't change. We sung, we did. We sung about that this morning. The same, I'm calling out to the God of Mary and to David. You're the same God today. That is immutability. He doesn't change. And, and I thought about this this week, that God wants to be known. He's always wanted to be known. We struggle as, as human beings. We, we have this category of people that we call agnostics. We also have the, 
the, the category we call atheists, people that say there is no God. And the reality is most atheists, when you have an honest conversation together, is they don't really believe there is no God. They just believe, man, we can't know him. He just, you know, there's, he's just, there's no way. And when you come to the agnostic, the agnostic says, I'm sure there's some kind of being, some kind of God, but he is unknowable. He certainly doesn't want us to know him or to be known by us. And yet from Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation, God displays himself as a God. He portrays himself as a God. He reaches out to us as a God who wants to be known. This message is for us. If you're breathing this morning and you have a belly button, this message is for you. You're a human being. His creation. And it's for us. That's why this message is so significant, because of who it's come from and who it's to. The question is, are we listening? Are we listening? I hope you picked up on those words in these opening verses that John uses. Hear, read it, hear it, keep it. I want to unpack that a little bit more in a second, but there, there's an expectation that I already mentioned, right? There's an expectation as parents that our kids are really listening, our children are listening. We kind of expect our teenagers to listen. We've kind of given up, but we kind of do. The government, the police officers especially, expect us to understand what those numbers on those signs mean and to keep it, right? Just because they don't always enforce it, we kind of think, well, maybe it's not a big deal, right? Authority always expects a response. God always expects obedience. Obedience. If you love me, Jesus said, you'll keep my commands. And so John says, the why of this message is that it's from God, it's for us, and the expectation is that we read it, we hear it, and keep it. Now in verse 4, John begins his, his introduction, if you will, of who he is, because he says John in verse 4, he's making it clear, now he's talking, and he says this is to the seven churches in Asia. We're going to unpack this a little bit more next week. The seven churches in Asia, in its simplest form, what we know is Turkey today. Eurasia or Turkey. Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who was, and who is to come. Who is that? Jesus. Sounds like Jesus, and it's true of Jesus, but he's going to talk about Jesus in a minute, so I think he's talking about the Father, where the, mis the message originated. John goes back to this, this chain of command, and he says, this message and grace and peace to you is from the one who is, who was, and is to come. That's a great definition of, not yet, but almost. Well, what trait were we talking about? What? Yes, he's immutable. He doesn't change. Look, look at that again. The one who, wa who is, who was, and who is coming. It's interesting that the Father, but I believe he is describing the Father. The one who is, who was, and who is to come. From the seven spirits before his throne. Now, there's all kinds of speculation and thoughts and ideas of who this is. I'm just going to tell you what I think. I think it's the Spirit of God. I think it's the sevenfold Spirit of God. Now, I may be wrong. It might be others, but I think Trinity is being laid out here. In fact, in, uh, I wrote it down because I knew I'd forget it. There's a verse in um, Isaiah chapter 11. Is that what you said? Good job, Master Pat. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord, capital S, the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, being Jesus. He is the spirit of the Lord. He is the spirit of wisdom. He is the spirit of understanding. He is the spirit of counsel. He is the spirit of strength. He, I need two hands. He is the spirit of knowledge, and he is the spirit of the fear of the Lord. 
and he will rest on Jesus. That's my two, that's my thought. It is grace, peace to you from the one who is, who was, who is to come, the Father, from the seven spirits before his throne, the Spirit, and from, say it out loud, Jesus Christ. And who is Jesus Christ? He is the faithful witness. He is the firstborn from the dead. He is the ruler of the kings of the earth. Uh, to him who loves us and has set us free from our sins by his blood. Who is that? Jesus. And made us a kingdom. Who is that? Jesus, priest to his God and his Father, the glory and the dominion are his forever and ever. Amen. Who is that? It's Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ. Yes, God revealed is Jesus Christ. And then John says, look, literally just means see. I mean, open your eyes. Check it out. See, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, including those who pierced him. Those who rejected him, rejected him as the Messiah, as the Son of God. And all the families of the earth will mourn over him. This is certain. We don't say this anymore, but a few decades we did. You can take this to the bank. I know we don't go to the bank anymore, so it doesn't make sense. But you can take this. We need a new phrase. You can take this. You can trust Bitcoin. No, that doesn't work either. No. You can take this to the bank. This is certain. Amen. And then God puts a postscript on John's declaration. Listen to what God says. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, the one who is, who was, and who is coming, the Almighty. The Father puts this postscript on the message that he's given to John, and he says, John says this is going to happen, and I'm here to tell you, as Almighty God, the one who is, who was, and is to come, this is going to happen. Translation, the message that you're about to reveal is trustworthy. You can, in fact, build, build your life on this message that we're about to hear. The expectation is that I will listen to it and I will obey it. But God Almighty, the eternal God, is saying you can trust this. Listen to this. Read it, hear it, and obey it. So are we listening? Are we listening? Yes. The who. We talked about the why. Consider the who, and I've kind of already unpacked it, but I hope there's a weight to this. The who, the Father, the one who is, who was, and is to come. The Spirit, the sevenfold Spirit of God, and all that He is, and all that He is tasked with accomplishing. And the Son, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. Do you understand the faithful witness? He came to show us the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Did he do a good job of showing us who God is? That's the claim, that it's accurate. Again, you can trust it. Jesus is the faithful witness. He said, yes, he came, he took on human form, and he walked among us, and he lived, and he spoke, and he be everything he did revealed the Father. He was a faithful witness. He is the firstborn from the dead. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. He is the first of those resin, resurrected from the dead through the power of the Holy Spirit. He is the ruler, John says, of the kings of the earth. Pause there for a minute. When you look around and you see the different kings and authorities around our world, does it seem like Jesus is their master, that they're answering to him? Sure does, right? And, and we look and we see 
And we can be guilty of coming away with a conclusion that somehow Jesus hasn't fulfilled this. He's, no, he's not doing this. But from God's perspective and this message that we're about to unpack, God is going to reinforce over and over and over again that Jesus is, in fact, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he is the ultimate authority, ruler over everyone on this planet. That's his claim. I believe it. John describes him as the one who loves us and set us free from our sins by his blood. He is our Savior. He is the Savior of the world. He is the answer. He is the, he is the perfect sacrifice. What I could not do myself, he did for me in his own death and burial and resurrection. He took care of my sins. He covered me. He washed me clean by his blood. He says he's the one who made us a kingdom of priests. He's put us in a family. He's given us purpose. Do you know why I'm here? Do you know why you're here? We're here to make disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples. You are, we are now the, re, the light, the salt. We are the hands, the feet. We are the representation of Jesus who sits at the right hand of the Father. He came and he was the faithful witness. Now he looks at you and me and says, will you be the faithful witness now? Will you show this world who I am? What I showed you, what I gave you, so that you can know God and I set you free. Now will you take and bear witness to that to others? The people you live with, the people you're, you live in your neighborhood with, the people you work with, the people you go to school with. He was the faithful witness. Now he's asking you and me to be the faithful witness to the people that he's put in our life, whether it's here in California or it's in Columbia. Right? Amen? He's made us a kingdom of priests. We're part of a family. We have a purpose. We represent God. And then he says, it's the one to whom all glory and dominion belong forever and ever. Amen. But then he tacks on. He doesn't tack on, but then he says, oh, one more thing. He's the one who's coming. He's the one who's coming. My dad's here, so I'm going to risk this. When I was a teenager, in the summertime especially, I drove my mom crazy. In those days, it was okay to have a wooden spoon. I know that sounds offensive to some younger people, but she used it appropriately when she could catch me, when she could make contact. But she had a, and, and some point in the day, that would come out and, can you hear me, mom? Okay. You know, and that spoon, and there'd be different tactics. And then finally was, okay, and you, you know what she said, right? Wait when your father gets home. That changed everything. Because I knew he was coming. He, every day he came home from work at pretty much the same time, depending on what job he was doing. He came home every day. And the first thing he did is he had a conversation with my mom. God bless him. And then <laughs> the attention turned... It changed how I lived the rest of that day. I lived the day up to that point on my own terms for myself and what I wanted to do, and now I could not escape the fact, the reality, that Dad was coming home and there were going to be consequences to how I lived today. You with me? That's what he's saying. He's saying, he's coming. I'm telling you, he's coming. All this that we just talked about. Isn't he good? Isn't he faithful? Isn't he all-powerful? Hasn't he shown his love to us? He's coming. He's coming. Do you know? No, I don't know when. But I know he's coming. And I need to live the rest of today with the reality, the conviction that he's coming. And that I'm going to stand before him just like I stood before my dad. My dad didn't have a wooden spoon. He had a little piece of uh, spark plug wire because he owned a gas station at one point. 
And I did something stupid at the gas station and it inspired him to use a piece of spark plug wire. <laughs> and it worked. And he was coming in love, but he was coming with consequences to how I lived my life. Are you, are you tracking that with me? It's what I believe God's intent in this message. This is the who. And then finally in verse 9, I, John, I, John, your brother and your partner, your participant, and listen to the words he chooses. John, I'm your brother. I'm a participant in three things that I share with you. Tribulation can literally be translated pressure. Anybody know what pressure is? The pressure of being human. I'm your brother and I'm a participant in the tribulation, the pressure we face. The kingdom, the kingdom of God, and, and there's, there's tension there, isn't there? He's the king of kings, lord of lords, and yet I already said, you look around, you say, well, why isn't he? And, and, and I'm a child of the king, and I'm a part of his family, and there's the kingdom of God, and he's sovereign, and he's all ruling, and he's all powerful, and he's going to come, and yet look at the mess that I'm living in as a subject of the king. It doesn't feel like his kingdom. Come on, don't leave me up here by myself. Anyone? Sure doesn't, when I got up this, yesterday and this morning, and when I go to, it sure doesn't feel like I'm living in the kingdom of God, where he's just, everything is under his authority and rule. John said, I get it. But it doesn't change the fact that we're his kingdom subjects living in his kingdom. He says, I share with you, I'm in partnership with you, in the tribulation, the pressure of life, the kingdom, this this." Already and not yet elements of being in God's family and the endurance, the patient waiting, the perseverance that are all in Jesus, that are all a part of our experience as a follower of Jesus Christ. You get it? He's saying, I'm, a, I'm, I'm the Apostle John. I'm the one whom Jesus loved. <laughs> but you know what? I'm here on Patmos. I'm here banished to this island. Listen, he, he unpacks it here. He says... I'm on an island called Patmos because of God's word, because of the truth of God's message and the testimony about Jesus. He, he's saying, he's being gracious, but he's saying because of my conviction, my belief in the word of God and my testimony about who Jesus is, the authorities, Dominic, Domitian, however you say his name, who wanted to be the only one anybody worshipped in the Roman Empire, banishes him to Patmos. So John says, I get it. I get the pressure that you're under as followers of Jesus. I get this, this already, I'm a child of God, and yet the, the kingdom, when is it going to actually happen on earth? It's what we've been praying for, right? Your kingdom come on earth as it is, your will be done as it is in heaven. And yet we're living in this, and then I get the waiting. I get the need to persevere. I get the need to live by faith that what we just said is certain. I told you it was certain, and the Father put a postscript and said, I'm telling you, the one who was and is and is to come, the Almighty, this is going to happen. Woohoo! Amen. But then I gotta live, I gotta wake up tomorrow morning and live in the pressure. I need to live as a child of God in the world that I'm in, and I need to live faithfully, by faith, persevering, enduring whatever comes my way. And John says, I get it. I'm your brother. And I'm a participant. It's just, I'm here on this island, guys. I'm paying the price for living in the pressure as a kingdom citizen and enduring. You, you connecting to him? It's important because now he's going to break into, okay, let me, let me give you another picture 
We'll see it next week of who Jesus is, and then we're going to move into these messages to the church that he's going to give us. Let me, my time is up. Let me, two more things. Notice how the book of Revelation begins in verse 3. The one who reads this is blessed. The one who hears the words of this prophecy and keeps what is written in it are blessed because the time is near. Look at Revelation 22, verse 7. Look, God is speaking. Jesus, I'm coming quickly. The one who keeps, keeps the prophetic words of this book is blessed. That's how it begins and how it ends. Let me throw three questions out. If you have the notes, they're on the questions. If you don't, I'm going to move really quick. Number one, I'm asking us each to consider this. What voices are distracting you from listening to God? We're we're not going to circle the wagons and cut ourselves off from this world. We can't. But we do have to identify as a follower of Jesus, what are the voices that are dominating, that are capturing my ear and my eyes and my heart, that are taking the place of me listening to God? Is that okay to say it that way? You've got to identify that. It might be TV, it might be radio, it might be a book, it might be people, it can be a podcast, it can be all kinds of stuff. It might be your phone. Maybe you need to use your phone as a phone to talk to people. Otherwise, leave it on the, wherever, the table. What are the voices that are distracting me from listening to God? Make a list of what you read, listen to, and watch in the coming week. I'd str- I, it's, it'll blow your mind, but I'm encouraging you to do it. Just keep track of what you listen to, what you watch this week, and then look at it Saturday night before you come to church next week so you can confess and get right with God. But seriously, write down, just make a, a list and start blocking it. I listened, I watched an hour and a half of TV today. Identify that. And identify the, what it is that's getting in the way, what's keeping me from listening to God. Number two, what has to change to make room for God's voice? We all have a fixed amount of time, would you agree? We all have a fixed amount of time, and all of us make choices what we do with that time. We're beyond the point of being able to make excuses. Well, I'm just so busy. You don't understand. It's, you know, I got so much to do, so many things, so many voices. Okay, great. Acknowledge that. Now what needs to change? What needs to go? What do I need to change? Maybe I need to flip some priorities. Maybe some things need to be identified. Well, maybe Becky's more important than watching the 49ers. That was so hard to say out loud, but it's true. What needs to change? Number three, how do you become a good listener? What is your plan? You hear me? What is your plan to be a better listener? Don't leave from here, wow, God really spoke to me. Don't come up to me and tell me it's a great message because you're just giving me a big fat head and I, don't, I got pride issues already. But don't even come up and go, wow, that was really good. I, I mean, uh, God's leading me to do something. God's leading me to be a better listener. That's awesome. But if you leave and you never put a plan in place, it'll never happen. You track it. Now you don't like me anymore. I get it. But the reality is if we don't put a plan together, nothing's going to change. We make a plan with God's will, within his support, but we need to make a plan. How can I become a better listener? And I'll close with this. Just We need to know ourselves. We need to know the time and place, the text, the word of God, where we need to be reading, the atmosphere we need. Remember we talked about finding quiet? The best one to identify how you can have times of quiet is you. Now, if you're married, it needs to be in, we'll talk in a minute, Wes. You and your spouse need to have a discussion, but you need to find out where is it can I not be distracted? Where is it can I find quiet? And then make a plan. Make a plan. Share that plan with somebody. And say, pray for me. I want to be a better listener.
I ask that question, am I listening? And I realize I'm not. And I want to be a better listener, so here's my plan. Here's what's going to change. Here's the voices that are going to be shut off so that I can listen to the one who has a message for me. Amen? Amen. We have a message that he's called us to live out to represent him, and it's not just here in Carmichael or in California. It's around the world. And we have two very precious people with us this morning, people that are very precious to God, and I pray are precious to us as a church, that are seeking to live that out in Columbia. And so I'm going to invite them to come up, John and Lori and Pastor Matt is going to come, and we're going to hear a little bit of what it looks like, what are the challenges of living out this testimony to give witness to Jesus in the circumstances that they are facing there in Columbia. And can I challenge us, if you've heard from God this morning, and and listen, be good listeners, but take what you're hearing this morning as they're sharing their story with us and apply it to your setting here today. You you understand what I mean by that? They're gonna they're gonna tell us the challenges and what it's like to be have this testimony for Jesus there. We have challenges here too. Let's do this together. Let's be in this together. Let's learn from each other. So be good listeners starting right now.